Welcome back to another season of the Levin podcast. Uh, today's topic is middle neighborhoods. I am Kristen Blazik, and with me always is Molly. Welcome back, Molly. Thank you. Glad to be here with you. And today we're bringing back a guest. I think this is the second time that we've brought back a guest, but it's our very first guest from our podcast talking about something other than himself is the Dean of the Levin College of Urban Affairs, Maxine Goodman Levin College of Urban Affairs. And that is Dean Anglin. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Kristen. Uh, I'm wondering if I talk about myself too much, but... Uh... No, you have a great story. So I would preference everybody to going back and watching the story from the Dean. There are some things that I wanted to mention that we talked about off camera right after that was like your favorite interesting food of all time. I think we stopped recording and you mentioned your favorite food experience. And so could we start with what your favorite food experience is? <laughs> well, sure. Um, it was about uh, 10 years ago, I was traveling with a group of scholars, uh, urban scholars in Latin America, and we ended up in Mexico City. And uh, our host in Mexico City took us to a very um, nice restaurant. And uh, the, the menus came out and on the menu was um, a group of insects you know, from uh, grasshoppers to you name it. And so all of us were sitting there as Americans saying, who's going to try this first? Uh, and it just got to be so uh, tense, Phil. I said, let me try it. And it tasted extremely well. Um, I, I love the taste of it. And I would do it again. So that's my favorite uh, alternative taste treat. Awesome. Yes, I actually I loved that story. So I wanted everyone else to experience it as well. Yes. I'm a favorite, right. I favor anacrids. Yes. Was there a favorite among the bunch? Um, the locusts are really crunchy. Okay. That's good. But they but cooked them today... up in, in nice sauce. So it, it really, it was really nice. It was really fine. So it's, it's advice to everyone to just try something outside of their wheelhouse. Yeah, try something outside of your comfort zone. You'd be surprised. Awesome. So today we are talking about middle neighborhoods. So I'm going to start with just the very generic question of what is a middle neighborhood? Well, I think a middle neighborhood is uh, varies in its definition and manifestation. Quite simply put, it's the middle of the income spectrum of neighborhoods. You know, in urban policy for the past 50 to 60 years, We've looked at low-income neighborhoods, concentrated neighborhoods, as they relate to high-opportunity, high-income neighborhoods. But now we're starting to say, you know, let's not just focus on low-income neighborhoods. Let's focus on those working-class neighborhoods that are the buffer in most cities between the rich and the poor. Why? Because often in those neighborhoods, you have uh, stable families, stable institutions that, if supported, can keep a city going. And that's what you really want. You want a, a city that's balanced, that it offers opportunity, and um, middle, middle neighborhoods that are solid 
um, can be the base of a solid city. So thinking about that, you know, when you talked about the city, people often think of where they live by geography. So I live in the downtown or I live in an urban core. I live in a suburb, maybe rural areas, but yeah. maybe they don't think of it by neighborhood type. And, and that's right. Why does that also matter in thinking about that middle neighborhoods could be um, in places irrespective of those geographies? Well, it's a good question. I think that um, downtowns occupy a, a large space in our cognitive map. And people don't look at bedroom communities, bedroom neighborhoods, um, because they, they're taken for granted. Why they're taken for granted, um, I don't know. But everyone sort of looks at the sense to the CBD or areas uh, we have retail shopping. But again, these middle neighborhoods are very, very important and shouldn't be overlooked. When they are overlooked, um, they often are the bulwark, the forerunner of decay. Uh, and that's an important point to make that you wanna to get to them before they start to, 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 to decay. And what does decay mean? It can mean um, individuals starting to leave and go to the suburbs or first ring suburbs. It could be that uh, these neighborhoods are starting to get starved for investment capital. Um, and so the buildings, uh, the homes start to deteriorate. And that's what you want to prevent. You want to prevent that. Uh, it's almost a broken windows theory of crime. Uh, you want to get to those neighborhoods very quickly and give them the support they need to be viable. So these neighborhoods are new, right? I mean, middle, middle class, working class families have lived in neighborhoods, right? <laughs> very, very long time. Why are we just now starting to talk about middle neighborhoods? Well, um, I, I don't know why, but I would say it has to do with the frustration of uh, urban policy, that we've tried to um, support concentrated poverty with a range of policy instruments, uh, urban development action grants, uh, community development block grants. We've built um, community development corporations to the point where they're the major development institutions in the community. We focused in on one end of the spectrum. Um, but in doing that, we've neglected a critical uh, part of the spectrum of city health. Uh, and now we're at the cusp of a new generational shift in these neighborhoods. You know, you're right, Molly. These neighborhoods have been around for 60 to 70 years, uh, going back to the dawn of the Industrial Revolution in, in many cities. And they've grown, uh, they've become strong, um, they've become viable. But now they're at, I think, uh, a, a part in the life cycle where on, they're possibly on the downward slope. And that's why I keep coming back to it. We need to catch them before they really deteriorate. Uh, part of it is the, the answer to your question is why are we focusing on them is demographics, demographic shifts, uh, age cohorts. But the, the fact is remains, we have to now focus in on them uh, even more than we have before. Now, there is a lot of talk right now 
about the extreme, you know, uh, wedge that is between the affluent and, and the wealthy versus the low income is the middle class or middle neighborhoods, is it at all being affected by the fact that the middle class is supposedly shrinking? Oh, I, I, I think that's a critical part of it. The fact that uh, we have sticky productivity in this country, um, uh, wage earnings have not gone up, gone up in real terms. I think that's all a, a factor in the maintenance of the middle class and the fact that um, middle class residents in these neighborhoods uh, are strapped. They're finding it difficult to maintain a, a certain lifestyle and not a gaudy lifestyle, just you know, being able to uh, fix a boiler when the boiler uh, breaks or uh, replace uh, a roof when a roof needs to be replaced. These are, if you can't do that, then again, the, the neighborhood starts to deteriorate and that's what we want to watch. Okay. So I guess my next question is looking at Northeast Ohio to give people a perspective of maybe some middle neighborhoods in Northeast Ohio. Do we have any up here? And can you recognize and like what would be a typical middle neighborhood in Northeast Ohio that maybe someone could recognize? Well, I'm going to ask your partner because we have a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to study middle neighborhoods. It's a very important grant, a competitive grant. And it's a study, um, a middle neighborhoods initiative in Cleveland and throughout the former industrial Midwest. And uh, Molly Schnook is on the ground or in the lab studying these. So I would ask her, what, what are some of the neighborhoods that we are looking at here in Cleveland? So I think, thank you for mentioning our project. Um, I think that, you know, there are um, a lot of places throughout Northeast Ohio where there are middle neighborhoods. Looking at um, Cleveland specifically, you can think of um, places like Old Brooklyn. Um, you know, I'll mention for folks that there is a National Middle Neighborhoods Initiative of which Cleveland is a part. Um, and, and the city of Cleveland now has a middle neighborhood strategy um, to address some of those communities, but middle neighborhoods aren't just in the city of Cleveland or in the urban core. I would look to some of our first ring suburbs, um, places in Lakewood, um, at South Euclid, uh, Parma, that are very much middle neighborhood-like, and that's true for other cities in the northeast part of Ohio, as well as the rest of Ohio and other states. You know, they're, they're your communities with, you know, if you think of um, places for first-time homebuyers, you think of, you know, communities that have housing um, in the range of, you know, maybe 15 to 1900 square feet, you know, your three-bedroom starter home type of place, those, those are really, and they look by housing type different in different communities, but those are really the places that, that we're looking at. And I should mention um, about middle neighborhood and why they're so important, but difficult to help is that most of our um, public help for neighborhood poverty is focuses on just that, neighborhood poverty. So you've got a formula and the formula says, 100% of median, area median income. That 
that's going to knock out middle neighborhoods um, or middle neighborhood cities such as Lakewood and, and Old Brooklyn. So what we're trying to do is focus in on defining them, justifying what the needs, and hopefully that will inform public policy that we need to change our formulas about help of how to help these communities. I don't know if this, if one has to do with another, but back in when we had the housing crisis in 2008, 2009, right when the bubble burst, were middle neighborhoods affected more, do you think, by that? Or were these not the people that were affected by the housing bubble? I think that uh, these neighborhoods, these middle, income, middle neighborhoods were also affected. Um, in Northeast Ohio, we always talk about Slavic Village being the epicenter of the, the housing crisis. Um, but all of these communities, because Many of the communities had um, debt, uh, the middle neighborhood communities had debt the same way that uh, low-end communities had. It's just another variation of it. So there were significant losses uh, during that time, um, as much as, say, Slavic Village, no. But when communities are um, on, on the margin um, or the middle-income neighborhoods uh, have families on the margins, um, you're going to be affected by uh, things such as the financial crisis. I don't know if um, we picked that up in the data, um, but uh, I bet you 10 months to Sunday it, uh, it happened. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you, you have to consider that housing is the largest asset um, and wealth creator for most most people in this country outside of the extremely affluent. And when you lose value as the housing crisis did, especially for places hard hit in Cleveland, um, you know, you, you have people who dropped out of the middle class, lost, um, you know, lost a considerable amount of equity in those properties that they had maybe had for a very long time. Um, and that's actually probably to some degree true now um, in the pandemic where, with employment losses um, and, and, you know, wage, you know, decreases potentially during lockdown that, that you may see. And also the double-edged sword of a huge spike in property valuations across the country. Again, not just in Cleveland, where the potential is to now lock out homeowners in, you know, some of these desirable neighborhoods of which middle neighborhoods are some. I think Molly is that exactly right. There's a significant trend going on to, uh, that hedge funds are buying up uh, properties in choice neighborhoods. When I say choice neighborhoods, we turn them middle neighborhoods and uh, turning, them around, turning them around uh, like the old uh, uh, flipping uh, schemes, mm -hmm. seeing them up a little bit and selling them at a, a higher rate. Well, that now locks out um, lower middle class communities or low, lower middle class folks, and you get homogeneous income uh, communities, which is just not good. It's not good for our, our society. Yeah. Or you have communities that were traditionally, you know, these middle neighborhood communities with high 
percentages of homeowners before and you have hedge funds or investors in these in these properties creating sort of these this rental dynamic in communities that didn't experience it before. Um, and so you're decreasing the rate of home ownership and, and changing the dynamic of those neighborhoods. Indeed. All right. So what else is this research study looking at? So we're looking at defining middle neighborhoods. What's the future of the research project? Well, well, yeah. <laughs> well we, we hope to be able to um, identify five to six case study communities across the country, middle neighborhoods, where we can learn more in depth about um, the challenges and opportunities facing these neighborhoods, identify some set of policies that other places can use in a toolkit for community development, for stabilization of these neighborhoods, for growth of these communities going forward. Um, and, and I think also one of the things that was surprising to us in, in starting this project was that middle neighborhoods are not very solidly or well-defined. And so I think overall, the hope is to gain a stronger understanding on the ground of what middle neighborhoods are and what they aren't. And what's exciting for me is that, uh, and daunting, is that we're actually uh, coming up with measures that are not, uh, uh, they don't exist in the, in the literature currently. And so it's a fine calibration of what is a middle neighborhood. And uh, we hope that we can get get it right, but it's going to take time to figure it out. All right. Anything else to add about middle neighborhoods? I'm excited about them. I'm pretty I, sure I live in one. Like I live, I'm pretty sure I live in one. And it is, it is daunting with the housing that's going on, you know, with just at, at how much I bought my house for just five, six years ago versus how much like my neighbor's homes are going for and how quickly, like the housing is, was crazy this summer. Am I, am I just sensing that wrong? No, no, it was crazy. And it still is, and it's gonna take a minute for it to settle down. <laughs> but that just shows that Northeast Ohio um, is experiencing not a, I wouldn't say it's a boom, but it's a, a different type of uh, housing market than we've had for the past 10 years. In some respects, we're, come, we're, we're rebounding. Um, I hope this lasts, but it's good. It's good for, the, for Northeast Ohio and it's good for the city of Cleveland. And then with the loans in, in this, is it harder for families in the middle class to get loans at this point? Is that part of the study, a mortgage? So access to um, access to loan products and mortgages is not part of the the core of the study, but it does capture measures of home ownership and uh, where people are getting home loans, especially first time. But you're you're correct in some ways that it is um, more difficult in getting the mortgage, not 
necessarily because people don't qualify for a mortgage. It's, it's the, the rapid changing dynamics of the housing market and prices and things like all cash offers, the competition that is out there. It's harder for people to find a house and get the appropriate mortgage product for that property mm. versus actually being um, mortgage qualified and, and what we would traditionally think of somebody who would get a loan. Right. Molly, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I think, and I, and I hope you do too, Dean England, that you know, middle neighborhoods are going to be a topic of research and discussion, not just for Cleveland, but more broadly for quite some time. Um, and finding this um, middle space for, for cities and communities whereas we have focused for so long, especially on um, you know, very vulnerable, very, very poor communities, we've neglected to look at middle places. Well, I concur, Molly. Um, I, I think public policy really needs to reorient its focus and uh, support because this is where the majority of the neighborhoods uh, are. It doesn't mean that we're abandoning the poor. It's just saying that we're spreading uh, this, the needed support to make these viable, sustainable communities. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, I think on the front end, we can prevent the uh, massive investment when decay takes whole yeah. charge. So that's why I really believe in uh, the power of middle neighborhoods. I think they provide an aspirational place to say, where are you moving people in poverty to, right? What does that next step look like? Yes. And it's, it's moving into home ownership. It's moving into middle neighborhoods and middle places. Um, I think we often talk about, you know, um, this idea of, of ending poverty, but what does that look like? Or where does that, where does that look like? And middle neighborhoods can be that aspirational place for stabilization. And one thing that I, I think we ought to mention, um, you know, oftentimes we think of middle neighborhoods in strictly racial terms. They're white working class, but that's not true. Um, there are black working class communities across the Midwest that uh, are just, they're in that middle neighborhood category and they, they really need to be looked at because they're the sort of ball, bulwark against uh, racialized poverty that is spreading from the, um, the inner city to the first string suburbs. So that's another reason that A, we need to uh, look at middle neighborhoods, but to really put a racial lens on it to make sure that we're not missing anything. Yeah, and there are, there are uh, Latino middle neighborhoods yeah. in places across this country, um, Asian and indigenous, neighborhoods that um, all are deserving of, you know, looking at, seeing what policies are working in those places and where people can, you know, share ideas of how to overcome challenges. Yes, indeed. All right. Final, so those are some great final thoughts, I think, on middle neighborhoods and, and where we can go from here. Um, it's been great. Thanks, you guys, for joining us 
on this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and end it here. And everybody, please check out the rest of the podcast. Again, go back to the very first one and learn more about our, our dean um, and more about our policy. And I look forward to this being published in the future because this is a work in progress, right? This, yeah. this is a work in progress right now. So um, stay tuned for the results of this one. And maybe we'll have to come back and do an update on what we, what we found from this research study. Maybe we'll be back. Maybe Thank we'll you, be Kristen. Back. Thanks, you guys.